Well, hello, First Parish and Concord. It is a joy to be here, and indeed, perhaps a UU miracle. <laughs> the Your UUA Board of Trustees was meeting this weekend in Boston, which is the only reason why I was here in town again this weekend, so I'm delighted we could make this work. And I'm grateful for your fabulous ministry team, for Reverend Amy and Reverend Marion, and for Laurel and Beth, and for all the staff that's here, and for your fantastic welcome as well as for Reverend Howard Dana, a good friend of mine, and I hope that he's enjoying his wonderful sabbatical. I'm grateful to be able to commemorate the life and teachings of Dr. King a week late here with all of you, a congregation that has dug deep into the work of justice in so many ways. Your ministers shared with me how you all engage deeply in the midterm elections around our values as Unitarian Universalists, the way you're working to bring more of your voices into the social justice commitments you have in the larger community, like with City Mission, and raising, I am told, $15,000 to support accompanying networks for immigrants and refugees. That is incredible. Thank you for your justice, leadership, and generosity. So I have to tell you that it is an incredible honor and great privilege to serve as your president of the Unitarian Universalist Association, particularly in this time particularly in this time when our values and our voices are so needed. And I'm grateful to all of you for your commitment to this liberating faith, both locally and nationally. The times that we are living in offer us constant reminders of how much our faith matters and is needed. For ours is a life-giving, life-changing, life-saving faith. And I know this personally, because when I was five years old, Unitarian Universalism first saved my life. When I was five years old, the people and the ministry and those two very special religious education teachers that I told you about earlier saved my life. You see, when I was young, my family began falling apart. A more accurate word would be erupting. And there are a lot of reasons for it, and I won't go into all of it. One part was that my parents' marriage was falling apart. That meant that our house, our home, was not a peaceful, joyful place. It was incredibly difficult for many, many years. But I have this powerful memory from the Sunday school class when I was five years old. It was taught by this married couple, Tim and BJ, who I told you about. And what I remember is how much they seemed to love each other and how much fun we had in that class. They would pull out the guitar, play music, and we would sing and dance, and it was joyful, and I needed that joy. I wrapped it around me. It was once a week for a couple of months in my life. But it dramatically changed what happened for me after that. That love, that joy, it stayed with me. Now, to be clear, so many children experience much, much worse. 
And there are always such good endings to these stories. Studies increasingly show how these early childhood experiences can affect our long-term health outcomes, including the development of addiction and mental health challenges. But studies also show the outsized difference that a strong mentor, a great teacher, the small presence of real care, the difference that can make in the lives of children who face trauma or neglect. So this Sunday school, even though I did not have words for it at the time, nor fully understand its impact until years later, what it did was that it showed me that something else was possible in life. Something else was possible in a marriage and in a family. Something else was possible for me. And that glimpse of possibility, that gift of joy and life, it gave me hope and sowed seeds that shaped my choices and my life going forward. Here's the thing about religious community and our congregations. They can be places of deep transformation in small and in large ways. When we are able to be communities of love and joy, we unlock possibility and hope in people's lives in ways that make an untold difference. And it's not just personal difference that it makes. So I want to share another story. One of the most powerful ministries that I was blessed to be a part of was with a congregation, a UU congregation, that had been stuck. It had been stuck for years. They'd had conflicts with ministers and difficulties between members, and they often found themselves stuck in internal conflicts, even power struggles. You see, as powerful as our theology is, grounded in compassion and covenant, our congregations are made up of, well, human beings, like me, like you, struggling, hopeful, imperfect beautiful human beings. And as such, we all can break covenant and hurt one another and fall into poor ways of navigating community. And so this was a congregation that was living into the challenges and struggle of community. But then something began to shift, and this started to happen right before I met this community. It started when a lay leader began asking the question, what would happen if our congregation simply disappeared. Would it make any difference? Would anyone really notice? Now that's a powerful question. And the challenge of that question made this community recognize that it had a larger purpose and it had better get to it. As one lay leader said, we realized we needed to do this community thing better. We needed to be a stronger, healthier congregation because it does matter. And not just to us. Our presence needs to matter in the larger community. And so with this sense of purpose, they put together a new vision for their congregation. The vision to grow into the beloved community. Dr. King described the beloved community as an inclusive community of love where all people across all diversity could develop into the fullness of their being and 
a community that would not tolerate racism, poverty, or discrimination in any form because it was such a violation of human worth and dignity. This is religious community at its very best, the church at its best, embodying a deep religious commitment and care to one another and a deep commitment to equity and justice beyond its walls. So to achieve this vision of beloved community, first they had to work on right relationship within and among themselves. Given their history of painful conflicts, they needed practices that welcomed differences and diversity and disagreements in ways that honored relationship. They moved past silos of, minist- silos of ministry and competition to see that they had a common mission and were in the work together. And that sense of vision and allowing that mission to own them, right? They all felt accountable and connected to making that mission real in the world. That drove growth. And not just in members, but in spiritual health and in joy and creativity and a sense of possibility in that ministry. And they not only found a renewed spirit among themselves, but they became stronger partners for justice in the larger community. They took risks, they put themselves on the front lines and made a clear and measurable difference. That congregation was the congregation in Phoenix, Arizona. And they had a huge role in combating Sheriff Arpaio and eventually leading to his defeat in the polls in partnership and deep solidarity with the migrant rights movement in Arizona. They discovered, rediscovered their great historic mission, as King put it, and it fired their souls and enkindled their imaginations for what was possible and what was needed in their community. And it all started with that vision of beloved community and a willingness to live into new ways of being. Now, I share this story because I have seen too often how mission and vitality are undercut by personality, politics, and being too inward-focused in our faith. And yet something powerful happens when people understand a greater purpose for themselves. This happens for individuals as well as for congregations. You see, in times of change and disruption and uncertainty, there is a natural tendency for people to become anxious and overly focused on preserving what they know. Institutions grow fearful and withdraw, forgetting that it is precisely in urgent times when more is needed of us, more leadership, more love, more risk, more courage. And we see this playing out right now every day in our country. As humanity faces dramatic challenges of climate disruption and global migration, we hear the rhetoric of scarcity, division, isolation, and walls grow. This is a reactionary response that believes that somehow the failing status quo can be restored, however unjust it has been, rather than responding from a sense of mission, possibility that affirms our common humanity and is willing to risk in order to live into a different kind of future. That is the moment that we are living in. Will we continue to be bound by a deadening status quo, as King called it, or are we willing to rekindle our imaginations for what is possible as human beings on this planet together? 
Our great historic mission calls us out of fear, calls us out of self-centeredness, out of individualism and scarcity to a larger commitment to one another. And in this moment, this is exactly what we need to be as Unitarian Universalists. Our communities need to be places of collective care, of deep joy and celebration of life within, as well as deep commitment beyond. Everywhere, our world sends messages that are dehumanizing to people, dehumanizing to each of us, that tell us that we are separated, isolated, and should be afraid. When we gather here in these communities, as churches, our work is to create those experiences where we touch the fullness of our humanity so that we might go out and live and fight in our lives every day for our own humanity and that of our neighbors. You know, Christine, your story was so powerful. And in this government shutdown that we just have been living through, Picture in your minds those images of people in bread lines, federal workers who could not get by missing one month's pay. Forty percent of Americans do not have $500 in savings for an unexpected expense. Sixty percent of Americans don't have $1,000 in savings for an unexpected expense. That is why missing one paycheck for our own federal workers meant that they were facing hunger, homelessness. This is the reality for the majority of people in our country. And one of the reasons that I believe that the church has declined is because as we have fallen back further and further and failed to live into economic justice and human rights in our country, people have seen that the church has atrophied its will, caring too much about its own sense of self and materialism and forgetting our great historic mission. As Unitarian Universalists, our Universalist forebearers didn't not believe in hell except for the hell that we create here on earth through injustice and suffering. And in response to that, they called us to bring a powerful form of love to respond to the conditions of suffering and hell in the lives of our people to bring love and justice, to build a more just world because salvation is not about something that happens after this life. It is about a condition that we have to work for, for everyone. That is our faith as Unitarian Universalists, our commitment to the here and now. Justice, equity, liberty for people, all people in the here and now. the challenges before us as a country and even as a planet are literally life and death for so many people. In the current context that we are living in, 
means that more and more people's lives have come under direct threat. The lives of immigrants and refugees, of black and brown people, of trans people, of women, of children, of the poor. Right now, as Unitarian Universalists, we need to fight harder to protect one another because the beloved community is about providing that safe space for children who need a break from a troubled home and a safe place for a family that is fighting separation and deportation. It is the internal and the external and the common call to our humanity. Following that great historic mission, just as King said, is the difference between the church being a pleasant social club and actually being the church that we were called to be and that our ancestors gave to us. Now I see all of you here at First Parish learning to embrace this deep missional commitment to beloved community. I know you're working on how you are with one another and how you deepen your work of justice and commitment in the larger world. As UUA president, I dream, I dream of that day when we might all unlock the missional commitment, that deep calling in our hearts to beloved community, to unlock our bravest, boldest, and most loving selves, to speak and act fearlessly and insistently for justice and for peace, for the life-saving values that are needed in our world. Last year, shortly after my election, it was actually Martin Luther King weekend a year ago, I got to go back to Elliott Chapel, that church where I grew up, where my parents are still members. They gave me permission to share this story of our lives. They know how important the church was for our family. And I got to say thank you to the members of those church, of that church of Elliott Chapel and to say thank you for your commitment to this church and your generosity because you had no idea what you were making possible in other people's lives through your gifts. One of the most important ways that you can support the strength and values of Unitarian Universalism and the possibility and life-saving community that we share is through your generosity to this congregation. You, through your gifts, are touching people's lives in ways you will never know. You'll never know all the stories in this room of people whose lives have been deeply touched and changed through this ministry and all the lives of those children who are being held in a community of love. In that same way, I want to thank you, First Parish and Concord, for your incredible generosity to the Unitarian Universalist Association. Because when you give to the UUA, you are making a difference in the lives of Unitarian Universalists and in congregations that you will never meet, that you'll never step foot in. Congregations that we have been able to respond to in the midst of fire and hurricane and devastation, 
In the midst of conflict and trauma, we show up for one another. Your support as a congregation to the UUA is touching fellow Unitarian Universalists all around this country, and I thank you for your generosity. And I want to offer a prayer as we end this time. The times that we are living in give us daily reminders of how far we have to go. To live into the beloved community. To meet our fellow human beings with dignity and justice. But let us in this moment invite into our hearts gratitude. Gratitude for the gifts that have nurtured us. Gratitude, I invite you to think for a moment of the gifts that you have received in this congregation, in this community, that have nurtured you and been a blessing in your life. There is so much more possibility in our world so much more possible for us as human beings to live into justice and compassion. May this be a community and ours continue to be a faith that nurtures and connects us to that possibility so that we may go and fight and work and build and love it forward in our world day by day.